I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. I think they're bad. Questions of me. Uh, I'd need to pull them up again, but well, we're recording, by the way. I already started recording. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, welcome to today's podcast, Ordinary to Extraordinary, where I, Ben Clute, will interview Stephen Brown. I don't know if I'm apprehensive or nervous or what. <laughs> Excited, giddy. You got butterflies in your tummy, Stephen? Oh, just over the moon. Over the moon. I'm over the moon. Well, anything you want to say before I jump into grilling you? Uh, no, I'm good. No? Well, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> we, today we've had good numbers so far. On uh, We're recording this on the day that we released the accountability session uh, where we were raw, vulnerable, and real. So I'll jump into the podcast, and Stephen knows what the first three questions are because they're the same three questions that we ask anyone that we're going to interview, and they're kind of our icebreaker questions. So, Stephen... You ready for your first question? Absolutely. First question is, what was the career that you wanted to have as a little boy? I wanted to be a professional athlete, and I didn't care if it was football or basketball. And when I say football, I mean soccer. Yeah, I wanted to keep playing sport. At one point, I actually had offers to come over here and play college basketball at a younger age than I ever came here. And I didn't follow that path because they were like, I'm trying to find a politically correct way to say this, but they were kind of Bible Belt schools, Division say, 2, uh, Division uh, 3. Uh, very, there's nothing about us that's politically correct um, in this podcast. My brother actually went down that path at one point, Kevin. He ended up at a Church of Christ school. And what did you... You're looking at me weird. I'm looking at your microphone, which is a little tilted. Oh, yeah, there's something weird going the on with it. this way. But it's, it's there. Yeah, so he went to Church of Christ school, and he ended up leaving that school and coming and staying with me for a month and a half because... He uh, he was 21 years old. Went to a bar, didn't drink, even though because he, he was in season, mm. and they uh, they expelled him from the school because he went to a bar. Well, sorry, no, they they kicked him off the team for the rest of the season, and he was really only there for the soccer. And they told him that it was because he went to a place that allowed dancing below the waist. <laughs> Swear to God, can you imagine if someone only danced above the waist? Was just your shoulders yeah. moving, but your whole bottom half is stationary? So th- that actually makes me kind of happy that I didn't come here on a on a basketball scholarship. My friend in Scotland actually started a company based on that. It's called First Point USA, and he basically finds scholarship opportunities for people all over Europe and Australia to come here and play college sports. Huh, cool. So yeah, that's uh, that's. I think I've mentioned sport, athletics. It's always yeah. been part of my my being, um, and I went through different phases where I thought about architecture and then realised I couldn't draw worth a crap. Um, I'm more autistic than artistic. Oh, good and, Lord. Uh, <laughs> There's that PC side of you. <laughs> so yeah, I just uh, uh, you know, and then with the athletic the athletic stuff, I've always wanted to be entrepreneurial. So yeah. I, I'm kind of yeah. 
living out You're what an odd I wanted mix. to do. Yeah. I made a living from sport for a while. I just wasn't a professional athlete. I like it. <laughs> so next question, icebreaker question, is if they were to make a movie about your life, what would it be about? And then who would uh, play you in the movie? All right. What would it be about? Um, well, I hope there's going to be massive success in my future. And success is very different for other people. Yeah. Whether that's family, monetary success, mentorship success. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be looked at as somebody that ne- not necessarily did anything overwhelmingly great, but just lived a good life. So, yeah, I think perseverance would be a big part of it. Grit. I've had repeated failures. I've had a lot of things in my life that, while seem trivial on the outside, you know, it's hard to go through. And I've never shared this, but there was a time in Chicago, long before I was financially prudent, where I was paycheck to paycheck working for Challenger Sports. Mm -hmm. And it came to a Friday night, and I knew how much money there was in my bank account, and I had the choice to go out Friday and Saturday night, or not go out Friday and Saturday night. And if I didn't go out Friday, Saturday night, I would have been able to buy groceries, pay all the bills, take care of everything, and be fine. Well, the younger version of me, 24 say. years old, <laughs> decided to go out and have a good time Friday, Saturday night, and I did. And Sunday morning, I woke up and checked the bank balance and knew how much there was. So Monday morning comes around, and I knew a gas station that didn't take the money until after it kind of dinged your, your card for a certain amount. And I went to the grocery store, bought enough groceries to get me through the week, and then used that gas station to fill my car up. So I had gas and food. That's all I needed to get to and from work and do all that stuff. And I remember it was probably Wednesday or Thursday that week where I just made a commitment to myself that I'd never be in that situation again, no more paycheck to paycheck. So, yeah, I mean, perseverance, grit, sort of um, enlightenment, I guess. Yeah. And then playing me, I don't know. I, I actually, a younger me, I've been told I used to look like Paul Walker, but he's not around anymore. I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, Matthew McConaughey, just because mm. I think he's cool as crap, not because I think I look like him or anything. <laughs> Samuel um, Gibson, Braveheart, maybe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, there's a good one, actually. What's that? What's the guy that's in uh, Wanted and um, Split? The Scottish guy, James McAvoy, maybe James oh, McAvoy. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, Scottish. Like, he could okay. do my accent. So he could do my accent. Yeah, that's funny. So that, that's that's a movie I thing, like I guess. It. No, good. There you go. Well, and then that's something I'll, I'll circle back to actually, because I want you to tell that story later on about how you you told me before it's like you came here with very little money in the bank account. I came the, here with nothing. I know, but so I want <laughs> I want that story. So I'm gonna write write it down as a note here because I'll forget it later. Yeah. I'm gonna call it the money story. So when I ask you about the money story. That's what I'm asking you about. Yep. So, and then last icebreaker question is really a bucket list item, something you want to achieve really before you die. Something I want to achieve before Before I die. Before you die. So these these questions are tricky because you're kind of putting yourself on the clock, right? You're saying, hey, pull your head out your ass, thumb out your ass, whatever, get it done. Um, Something I would really like to achieve before I die. I'd love to be a dad, all right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's one of those things that I'm not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. I have to be with the right person. I have to feel that it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, I'd like to be a dad. That's something I'd really like to accomplish and be a good dad, right? Cool. Um, good answer. I just got back from Orlando and spent time with my nephew, my, sorry, my nieces. And, you know, it really did make me realize that, God, I like being around kids and I'm good at this. So, yeah. 
Cool. That's a good answer. Yep. I like that. I was not really expecting that to be your answer. I didn't know what, I mean, I, I do expect to do more. I just don't think there's anything that's going to define me if I do or I don't do it. Yeah. No, I, feel I, like, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So uh, give us the two minute overview just of Stephen first. For those of you that don't, don't actually know Stephen, Stephen has a, he's more well-traveled, I'll say, than any U.S. <laughs> citizen I've ever met. <laughs> he's been to more states than I have four times over, but. Yeah. Overview of Stephen, let's see, so. Just two minutes, just where you were born. Born and raised in Greenock, Scotland. I always saw myself as a homebody. Came to the States when I was 21, 20, sorry, 22. 21. It was 21. Came to the States when I was 21. I was supposed to be here for three months coaching soccer camps and it developed into six months and then I went home for a few months and then realized I liked it and came back out. Uh, I did a basically consulting for soccer clubs and, and different soccer groups and then was offered a position where I was in sales for a soccer company. And eventually I, I made a career out of selling soccer equipment, soccer camps, soccer clinics, and bringing guys from the UK and sending them all over the country to do the consulting that I was doing. So we called that trainers. And I moved to Spokane in 2009 for a girl. Didn't work out. Fell in love with the city. I'm still here. Got a dog. Yep, have a dog. Uh, From let's said see. girl. Well, bought the dog for said girl. Said girl didn't <laughs> want that dog, but it was probably the only good thing that I got out of that. And Ollie, right? Yep, Ollie. She's a sweetheart. She's a Cocker Spaniel Poodle mix, jet black, and you'll never find anybody that doesn't fall in love with that dog instantly. She's a sweetheart. Uh, let's see. I think I'm a good person for the most part. I'm very opinionated. I am driven. I think... I am pragmatic in that when someone gives me an idea or a concept, I'm usually the one that does all the research and comes back and says, okay, here's what we need to do, let's do this. And I like to think that I have a great deal of ingenuity. I can figure stuff out, I can learn things on the fly and apply myself in ways that not everybody's willing to do. Mm -hmm. And I think I operate at a fairly high level intellectually. I've never done an IQ test, but I definitely retain a lot of knowledge and know things. That <laughs> Are you trying to self-diagnose yourself as genius? Are no, not at all. I did not say that. that. That was all you. I have a fairly high level IQ. But no, I said I operate at a high level. From I think we all have an intelligent, an intelligence quotient and an emotional quotient, and I think I can. No, I'll give you that. Yeah. I can read both very well and, and hold my own in most situations so yeah there's a probably more than two minute overview but that's, no, that's how good. i see myself well that kind of frames some of the other questions i'm going to ask too so you, you said you were here for a three month six month stint yep went home for a few months and then not homesick but you got homesick for america even though you'd only been here for six months and you were actually at your home you wanted to come mm-hmm. back so what is it that was it was it a girl that brought you back no was no that no, no. It so w- why come back it wasn't because you lived in a beautiful spot. I mean, you showed me pictures yeah. of where you lived overlooking the sound or whatever you want to call that, the bay. Or so this has been reaffirmed. I've literally just back from Orlando, obviously, with my my folks and my brothers, and I love my family dearly. I care about my friends that I grew up with, but I have a different mindset from people in Scotland, and ah. I don't want to tar a whole nation with the same brush. But my mindset is bigger, better, good enough isn't good enough. And I've never had a victim mentality. I've always been a, I'm going to get through this. 
I'm not trying to find a way to outside of just saying there's a mentality difference I fell in love with the culture here mm-hmm. if for, for want of a better term and not to sound cliche I fell in love with the American dream yeah. I fell in love with the fact that I could essentially achieve whatever I wanted to achieve and where were you for the six months that you were here so I, when I first landed I was in Atlanta Georgia and I worked all over the south so North Carolina South Carolina Florida Georgia Tennessee so that was like for three months of that. And then I shipped up to the Northeast for three months with a club in uh, Wyndham, New hmm. Hampshire, which is about 30 minutes north of Boston. So I was all over okay. uh, Connecticut, Maine, um, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. So that's the clubs that I was working with there and traveling and doing soccer stuff there. So that was, I, I got two very, very different views of America. So Southern hospitality versus Northeast brashness. Yeah. And really didn't didn't dislike either one. I loved it. There was that level of vers- uh, versatility within a country. So you from got the northeast brashness a little bit too. So yeah. Gonna so I, I almost appreciated it. Yeah, I know. I had a guy tell me fit in. So the the truth of the matter is, so after after that, I went home for a few months, and I was supposed to go back to the northeast, and I got a phone call from the guy in the northeast, and he said, "Hey, you're 22 years old, and you're really intimidating people here. They don't like that you're so young." but yet you're knowledgeable and you're good at what you do and I don't think I can have you back. So at that point, I obviously had a a decision to make. I was like, oh crap. And this is where probably the biggest stroke of luck of my life happened. I got a phone call from one of the guys who ran the Chicago region of our company. He said, hey, you don't know me. My name's Alex Wake and we have a position here that I'd like you to come come and fill going to pass you on to my, my colleague Paul Faubert and I spoke to him and he said talking to me about Wisconsin I didn't even know Wisconsin was a state at this point <laughs> never been did some internet research okay cows and cheese and all right and I was a Packers fan so yeah. I knew about the Packers and Green Bay so I was like oh, okay yeah cool this is good start good start I ended up going to Wausau Wisconsin and staying with some of the most amazing people as my host family for yeah. I mean better part of a year I stayed with the, th- the guy who founded East Bay one of the founders of East Bay learned a lot about from him about business about you know how to be humble despite being ridiculously successful how to just in his carry case. yourself yeah I mean yeah. If, if you want to do some research on East Bay and how much they sold it to Foot Locker and Woolworth Company for then you can do that and do the math I mean and the guy is because if anyone's like me, they didn't know what East Bay yeah, is so since I'm sports East Bay challenged. is where any athlete in the USA got shoes from. I was ordering shoes from East Bay when I was 15 years old. Yeah. Mail order. And then they had they were one of the first companies to Because they sent out massive catalogs, right, yep. to your direct mail. So they were one of the first companies to have a true e-commerce platform to where you could go on their website and order as well. Yeah, They were dealing with Nike on a daily basis they were I mean Phil Knight's a personal friend you know they had to deal with him and, and they were selling more Nike and Adidas shoes than any anywhere else like no brick and mortar store was selling more than a mail order was away and it started from their, their the trunk of their car so it was funny because that was really my first taste of true the true American dream right yeah. basically rags to real riches money. came from nothing and now very affluent and I, I got to know those guys real well and like I said it was a stroke of luck because someone else fell through and I do believe that you know, opportunities fall 
through so that better opportunities can can come into place absolutely so i forget what the question was there but it was kind of why did i stay yeah or why did i come back yeah, why did you stick around so yeah i just came back because i love i love the mentality here i know that i can be a success here and be appreciated for it rather than resented mm-hmm. um there's a i don't lean left or right i think i'm pretty central when it comes to politics and can go left or right depending on the situation but scotland's definitely a very left-minded country it's uh not socialist by any means but there's definite reliance on government to take care of things that I don't necessarily think government should be taken care of and yeah there's a victim mentality for the most part in Scotland and it, it might make me really unpopular back there but yeah, obviously our listenership I, uh, <laughs> Europe's gonna go down I just appreciate the American mentality in terms of being successful and, and how yeah. you can achieve it so that's yeah that's awesome. what brought me back okay so along that vein switching a little bit you had mentioned your family back in Scotland just spent some time with them last week in Florida and uh, you, you had five brothers five siblings five brothers and I actually had a little sister I was a year old when she died her name was Roisin which means little huh. rose but uh, sudden infant death syndrome Sids, yeah. Sids. yeah so um, my mom had a little girl and she was three four weeks old when she died Oh, so, wow. and, I, and I I have zero recollection of her, obviously, but yeah, um, I'm glad my mom's got some some granddaughters now that she can yeah, that's cool. she can that's get right. that experience with. Yeah, it uh, I can't imagine that would be one of the most difficult things I think for a parent to ever go through. Yep. But so you grew up with five siblings. Earlier you'd mentioned being entrepreneurial and on a <laughs> podcast recently. <laughs> I, you already know what's coming, don't you? I do. Yeah, you had mentioned you had to be entrepreneurial if you wanted to eat, basically. Yeah, so, so talk about that because that was an interesting concept. It's not something I'd ever said before. I'd never, I'd never verbalized it like that. It and was funny. I, I had a good laugh in the truck. And and uh, Tyler had asked me like, you know, talk to me about your home life on on his podcast, the Better Business Bureau podcast. And uh, I said, well, you know, there was five of us or six of us, sorry. And you know, we we always ate, yeah. so I don't want anybody to think that we were you starving hungry, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, so we always got food. But there was always leftovers. So I ate fast because, I mean, everybody comments on how quickly I eat and it's normal to me. I don't I don't see it as abnormal, but I'm conscious of it sometimes and have to put my fork down and wait mm-hmm. on other people when you're at fancy places, you know. And uh, <laughs> But the entrepreneurial like for Burger food thing King. came from when there was stuff left over, you would barter with your brothers. It's like, hey, can I get some of that? And, you know... I'd say things to my dad like, hey, he got the big half and my dad's like, then he didn't get half. And I could never, like, as a young boy, I was like, what? No, he got the big half. <laughs> then he didn't so like you that. learned, you learned little tricks to where, you know, you would, you'd sneak places and hide things and you would, you know, there was, there was enough left over for two people to get extra. So you'd eat quicker or you would, uh, you know, stall things and offer to do the dishes so you could get so just little things like that just bartering and yeah. you know I was a kid at school that I would get in trouble for conning people out of things and I use the term con you better watch out where you're going with this with I entrepreneurialism use the, <laughs> I use the term con loosely if somebody had something I wanted I would trade them for it yeah so, so you had a gift probably that where you could and uh, sometimes I would send them home with junk <laughs> and get in trouble the next day <laughs> when their parents would show up uh, like yeah your son sent your son sent me home with this and 
he's he's got this like we got to swap these yeah. back and i'm you know i was like well, somehow all sales are final no, all deals are final <laughs> your mom smacking you upside the back of the head yeah so yeah. no i think i think honestly it's contractual like, mom it's i don't contractual. think my parents minded it i think obviously it's it's a positive trait right one yeah. of you so yeah i was doing that stuff i was um if there was a way to make money from something not in a immoral way but i would do it yeah so how you do you know. think that translated into your who you are now and the entrepreneurial job that you have? Um, let's see. It translates well, actually. Yeah. You know, perseverance. So the other thing about coming back to the entrepreneurial for food thing, we got lunch money every day. Yeah, okay. So no free lunches at school, right? Uh, we got lunch money every day. And what I wanted for lunch usually cost more than what I had. Okay. And uh, you've got to remember, six boys going to school. Yeah. There was only so much to go around, right? And I found ways to play games, call it gambling if you like, that I usually had enough money for lunch. And, you know, I guess that's the, where that translates is I don't lose anymore, right? So we have a term in, in Heartland where when you get to the minimum, it's a win. And I used to aim for that win when I first started. And if I fell short, I was not winning. Yeah. And now I aim way above it. And when I fall short, I'm still way above where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so to put that in context, this year, 179% to target, which is, you know, three, four months in, that's not bad. Uh, You're 179% ahead of target? To target. So each month there's a target. Okay. So if you add those three months up and take the median I've sold 179% of what I'm expected to sell to this okay. point in the year Got it. Uh, by the close of business last year I was 230% to target so way over target more than double what I was supposed yeah. to sell so it translates there because when when I want something when I basically refuse to fail like I want so at that point it was going to a chip shop which is fish and chips Yeah. Okay. Um, I could have eaten in school for what I took to school, but I wanted to leave school and go and get something that was more expensive and better. And that's what I did, more often than not, and I found a way to make it happen. So what it's a, translated in that regard. Well, I mean, that, and that's a cool thing to learn as a young kid too, right? Because so many people, I think, they'd say, I want the fish and chips, but I only have a buck fifty. And it's like, instead of trying to go and figure out a way, we'll say it's $3 for the fish and chips mm-hmm. to get the other $1.50, right? They just say, well, I'm only paid a $1.50, so I can only spend a dollar fifty. It's like, you can go out and you can somehow figure it out, figure out what your giftings are, and you can go make the other $1.50, and then you can have the fish and chips. That guy down the road has a Bentley because he figured out how to make the other $1.50. Yeah. People settle. People really do. People settle for comfort. And, you know, while I love to be comfortable. Yeah. I love to be comfortable in my personal life, but when it comes to work life and even in the gym, you know, you and I could lift weights every day, but mm-hmm. if we're not making them heavier and pushing for more reps or maybe different kinds of training, we're going to plateau, right? You're going to you're going to be in a comfort zone and you're not going to see results. And I guess something I should say too, and I think you probably believe it to some degree too, is like if you want to sack lunch from school for a dollar fifty and you're comfortable with that and you're good with that, that's fine. Just don't use the fact that somebody else is eating the fish and chips yeah. as your excuse, right? For yeah. not having for oh, I can't have fish and chips. It's like you can have fish and chips too if you mm-hmm. work and just don't give up. And then so the other part of this entrepreneurial part 
uh, and where it translates is I have a job since I was 14 years old. So I used to go out and deliver newspapers. I got a job delivering newspapers in probably the second worst part of our entire town where pretty much from seven days delivering newspapers, five of those days I would have to take different routes, run from people, risk my life basically. Like I'm talking like For 50 cents. one of the worst parts of town. So I would leave my house, I would walk through my neighborhood, get to a different neighborhood. And we're talking like, think of a inner city housing here. That's where I was delivering newspapers. And I mean, I, like I said, chased most days or having to adjust the route so that I wasn't walking through drug dens and things like that but I was getting paid for it and I got decent money for it as well. So at 14, I had more money in my pocket than most 14-year-olds. And then I've had jobs since then. Everything from, I mean, through college, I was three, four jobs at a time sometimes. I've worked in kitchens for Chinese restaurants. Mondays were delivery days and I would get frozen meat or semi-frozen meat and I would have to cut it all up for like Mongolian beef and strip and then boil huge chickens, like hundreds of chickens and then I've, I've still got asbestos hands to this day and I love being in the kitchen still, but you would have to pick these chickens up. And I was I was only paid a certain amount. So the longer it took me, I didn't get more money. I wasn't huh. paid hourly. I was paid a set fee. And if it took me 10 hours to do it, I still got paid the same. And if it took me an hour to do it, I could get out and do something different. Yeah. So I learned how to do it quick. Cream and I would have to chickens. strip off all this chicken meat, boiling hot, like bare hands, just and get it all ready for the, 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 the men to make their they're uh, Chinese meals but yeah I learned I, I did that I mean I've I've been an ice rink attendant I can, yeah. I can ice skate even though I hate ice hockey Adrian Folsom <laughs> will appreciate that so I we'll uh, worked yeah, in gyms a, yeah. personal trainer uh, swimming pools of um, McDonald's I had yeah. a McDonald's job for a minute when <laughs> I was 16 uh, hated that by the way you can never like when I walk in a McDonald's to this day I can still smell the kitchen yeah, I, I moved people. I worked for a company called Pickfords, which is part of Allied. But yeah, I've just had jobs. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was in Chicago, when I made that commitment to myself, I picked up extra coaching and I've always had those additional revenue streams so if I need them, you know? That's a good time then to transition to the money story. <laughs> Talk to me about the money story. So I think, and I'll say this first off, both Stephen and I are big proponents of paying yourself first. So we're both big on saving, right? So now yeah. I, I know you're a good saver. You're really all about saving and putting yourself in a strong financial position to become financially independent at a young age. So obviously that's a big mind shift from <laughs> knowing which gas station doesn't charge your card for a yeah. period of time to now, right? Or yeah. you don't even think about it. Well, it basically charged your card for a penny and then like the next day it would hit it for the full yeah, amount. Yeah, just running thing. credit type thing, yeah. Um, and I don't know how I found that out, but I knew it. And... Yeah, and I knew, you know, oh, I can buy, call it ramen noodles or whatever it was, but it was super cheap. So what do you want to know about the money story? What do I want to know about it? I just like the money story. The money story was I hit rock bottom. The money story was I literally was in a point where I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was renting a room from one of my good friends who owned a house. I drove a... In Chicago, right? I drove an R32, which was way too much car for my money, or way too much car for the money I was earning. Uh, so I was making car payments. I was renting, paying more than rent. Than, I mean, just Where were you working at this point? I was working at Challenger Sports. Okay. I mean, I was earning, I want to say the salary at that point was 31 or 32,000 a year. Yeah, that was so how many years ago? 2005, okay. 2006, so 2005 through 2009 Yeah. while I was in Chicago. 
and there was commissions as well so I mean I had a base salary plus commissions so there was a little extra plus I was coaching but Chicago's an expensive city to live in and I was living the lifestyle of a a very affluent person I was eating out four or five times a week I was going out and drinking and I was single and I was having fun and um, yeah I was living a lifestyle above my means yeah and just had that sort of grown up talk with myself that yeah this isn't okay dude like you can you can dial even if you went out one weekend one night of the weekend or you know don't eat out every night you know let's make some adjustments and get your head out your ass did you just come up with a budget then started to start sticking to a budget started tracking your dollars in dollars out I hadn't been introduced to Dave Ramsey at this point Mm -hmm. and that was probably another six seven years down the line before I was introduced to Dave Ramsey but yeah, at this point, it was just... first thing I knew was how much... I mean, I knew exactly how much fixed yeah. income I had. Yeah, yeah. I knew exactly how much expenditure I had. And there was money left over. So the fact that there was money left over, but I couldn't get to the end of the month without having any money left over was obviously an issue. Yeah, call that black hole money. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't call it black hole money, but I figured out what I was wasting money on yeah. and cut it out for a while. And got some money behind me and started selling more more commissions and you know at that point i was kind of at a crossroads where i'm like okay can i go back to that lifestyle or can i keep doing this yeah and yeah i got back to just living balanced as opposed to living like a crazy hmm, hellion cool. from the uk started running around putting money Chicago. into 401k and saving or something then? all Is of that, that yeah yep um said so i'm gonna do my emergency reserve account i'm gonna start saving into 401k yeah so i was basically doing the dave ramsey thing without knowing who dave ramsey was yeah and I didn't carry any debt even then. I mean, I wasn't like I wasn't like I had credit cards ran up or yep, anything yep, like yep. that. All all I had was a car payment. Yeah. Um. And at that, I also kind of vowed to myself, let's get this car paid off. Thankfully, I sold that car for about five thousand dollars more than I bought it for wow. because they were so rare. They only made five thousand of them, and a bunch of them were written off. So, wow. Um, I'll need to show you it. It's a yeah. two hundred and forty-five brake horsepower, little golf shape, but just beautiful. Huh. Yeah, you Just know what? I love I love the German cars. Yeah, so, I love all cars. That's my problem. Yep. So yeah, I mean that that money story, like it probably defines me to this day because I have told you I don't ever want to be able to somebody say, hey, do you want to do this? And me say, I can't afford that. Yeah. I'm not going to go out and buy a Bentley or anything like that. By no means am I ludicrously rich, but if somebody says, hey, let's go to Seattle and spend three days there and do whatever we're going to eat out, I can I can do that right Bang. yeah you don't want to have to think about whether or not you can i don't need to um buy non-brand names at the grocery store or anything like that you know if i like something i buy it and nike. that's just kind of where yeah i nike. mean i indulge in nike, nike and some other things and you know but i do live a fairly clean lifestyle other than that and simply right yeah i mean yeah, yeah. so so talk about your background, the, well, I guess not as much your background, but what did you study at school? Because I know part of this and part of, I think what a lot of people might not connect is this podcast is kind of about you know, our business and health, right? Two different things. Mm-hmm. And you're really the driver kind of of the health side. I am the guinea pig on the health side, yeah. if you will. I'm learning, getting better. <laughs> Don't judge me, people. But I'm getting better. But your background is something that I didn't realize until we started really digging into this a little more. Yeah, so my background's in sports science and physiology. That's your degree, right? Yeah, okay. with a minor study in sports psychology. So the sports psychology part actually is very, very transferable to business psychology. Yeah, psychology. psychology is psychology. Yeah. You just kind of 
put it into different silos. Great in sales, probably. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, understanding why people compete. And so finding people's why mm-hmm. really drives me. Mm-hmm. And I mean that from the coaching standpoint or from the business standpoint. Yeah. So finding out. The root out, of what their yeah, ambition what, and drive comes from. Why are you in business? From. Tell me why you're talking to me right now type thing, you know, right? And obviously you and I have to define our whys all the time. We talked about it with you. Your why is your you want to be around for a long time with your wife and your kid and maybe another yeah. kid down the line and you know, you want to be healthy. You don't want to be that fat old dad, right? Yeah, I want to feel good about <laughs> myself when I'm sitting on the boat um, drinking a beer. <laughs> and my why is just I, I, I thrive on being in successful environments and surrounded by quality, mm-hmm. successful people. Because we are this, we're the sum of the people, the five people we surround ourselves with the most is what the saying goes like or something. But then the sports science part. So for me, I had designs on possibly being a PE teacher just because my, my favorite basketball coach and PE teacher was the same guy. Um, his name was Sam Scott. And if I know some people in Greenock are listening to this, they're probably chuckling at that. But he and I had a great relationship in that he's probably one of the few people that realized early you giving me a compliment was the worst thing to do in any sport because every time he told me I was doing something right I'd follow it up with something completely stupid and show off and, get a little arrogant or something and he, yeah, I mean he yelled at me one day he's like this is why I don't tell you you're doing anything right This is, and, and it was a realisation moment for me 15, 16 years old you know uh, but he uh, I mean I used to skip class and go and hang out with him and I don't know if he knew I was skipping class because I usually was like oh yeah I've got a free period but yeah, I'd hang out with Just him. I learned a lot from him. Teacher. And at a young age, I was coaching with him. So I was 14, 15 coaching kids that were 12. Mm-hmm. Just helping them out, showing up at those sessions and helping the younger kids and showing them how I was doing things, whether it's soccer, basketball, whatever. And that's where my desire to teach came from. So there was two paths. I could go straight into teacher training college, which I didn't want to do. Teacher training college? Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, so they, it was a place called Jordan Hill in huh. Glasgow. And I could do that, I could go straight there and do like a, f- do the, the, the PE teaching route. Yep. But everybody that was doing it, and I, I'm, I'm going to sound like a complete jackass here, they weren't my kind of people. Okay. Have you ever met the community education types? You know, the type that climb mountains in cargo shorts and backpacks and shit like that? <laughs> the people that get stuck on mountains, I think they should just leave up there instead of sending the helicopters oh. for them. It's like, come on, why are you doing that? those kind of people like the outdoors the Darwin Awards yeah. the winners yeah. so it's, it was those kind of people so I was like nah so instead I went into the sports science side and you could do a four year degree and then do a year teacher training so it was going to take me a year longer but after the four years I got the chance to come to America and it just didn't play out um, but if I ever want to do that I can always yeah you know and I could see you once you retire someday eh, maybe I don't know I think or volunteering ed- maybe or something I'll, I'll always be involved in sport but the education system I could never be involved in the crap that's going on with the Spokane public schools right now where yeah. oh yeah, yeah we've got a pay raise but we have to lay 325 people off Yeah, and it's you know just the fact that no government entity I've ever met can stay within budget it's like so you have this much money how much do you want to spend well that's 110% of that yeah, the, yeah. you can't do that <laughs> so no and I think that there's a there's an awful lot of inertia in the education system as well to where you probably hear more often than not we've always done it this way why yeah. would we change it right um, and if your head just explode I, I couldn't I just couldn't but yeah that that's kind of the what was the question <laughs> <laughs> 
that <laughs> you asked about my background in the sports and health and fitness. I so did. Yeah, that's that's where that aspect comes from. You know, the physiology side of things. I've always. Well, and you kind of you you answered the question because it was it was going to actually I was going to ask you what's your why behind it too. So yeah. it's like so I know you have the health sciences background or whatever, but why? do you work out as much as you do? And then, so talk to people, like, how much do you work out? Because you work out a lot, actually. Yeah, so the working out came from... I mean, this be, it's become part of your daily routine. I can't function without it. Like, yeah. I slept better last night after some of the stuff I've been going through, and I woke up this morning, and I didn't go to the gym. It feels weird. I'm going to go tonight and lift, but it's just part of me now. You know, it's, it's my time in the morning to get my head straight, plan the day, just center myself and honestly five years ago yeah five years ago when I was mm-hmm. finishing up with the soccer club I hadn't been in the gym for probably three years and I've been in gyms and been in physical yeah. fitness and environments my whole life except for those three years and I got up to well, I was over 250 pounds one time but pretty much sat at 248 and you're six one. I'm six one. I was fat I was thick and it was all around my tummy and I could still dunk a basketball, by the way, but I was fat. Priorities. You know, I could see it in my face. I could see it in my tummy. I still had skinny legs, and that's really actually unhealthy, you know, yeah. that, that body type. Um, so, yeah, that's just... So how I, you, Yeah, sorry. Keep I want to feel good. I want to feel athletic. I always want to be able to kick a ball, throw a ball, or, you know, swing a bat, golf club. I want to be able to jump on a trampoline. I want to be able to do things that just define athleticism right not to be the fittest not to be the biggest the fastest or the strongest but I want to compete and you know I think that will go with me until I'm 100 years old to where as long as I feel athletic and my friend Shay she actually calls me sneaky athletic she's like I can throw something at you really quick and you'll get your hand up and you'll catch it like right out right out the air or you know, and, and that's something that drives me. I don't ever want to lose that. I don't ever want to lose that first step quickness. I don't want to lose the ability to jump. I don't want to lose the ability to catch and throw and kick and do all yeah. those things. So so since we've started this, I know we took measurements. We're kind of tracking our progress here. How are you feeling since, you know, Jan 1 when we started doing recordings and being more habitual about our working out? I know you had always been pretty habitual about going in the mornings. Uh, have you felt that this has been beneficial for you in accountability too? Because you know that I'm going to be here and we're going to be on recordings and I'm going to ask you how it's going. Well, I don't ever want you to be in better shape than me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's a certain competitive edge there, right? Uh, you better watch out. I'm coming I, al- for I always need you to just be that step or two behind me. Um, so I what, push you a little bit in the weights? If, yeah, if I start yeah, to lift sure. more, you're going to go lift more? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ego. But beyond that, there's um, there's a there's a part that's been really really important to me, and and I'm feeling better now than I've felt in probably ten years. Cool. Not just weight wise, but um, I've never been flexible. I've never had quality range of motion. And about two months, maybe three months before we started doing this, I started doing Romwad range mm-hmm, of motion mm-hmm. workout of the day. And I mentioned this when Tyler was chatting with us. He introduced me to it. And I mean, I'm touching my toes. I can kneel down, which doesn't sound like a big deal to anybody, but I'm talking like kneeling down with my butt on my ankles. I've not been able to do that since I was maybe 14 years old. I have muscle definition in my legs. 
my arms, my shoulders that has never been there. So yeah, having a having a pusher or you know, it's not that I wasn't going to the gym, it's just that I was sometimes going through the actions, going through the motions isn't yeah. good enough, right? So good yeah. enough isn't good enough. And it's I was going to, to the gym. To check, right? In a way sometimes. But too. now I'm pushing myself because when we started, you weren't able to lift the weights I could lift. Correct. But you're catching me. Yeah. Or you started catching me. So I was like, okay, nope. We're going to do some heavy days, Stephen. We're going to get heavier. <laughs> so, like I said, I just want to stay that that step. This is ahead funny because he has not told me any of this, which now makes me want to go push harder too. Because just, I want to freaking pass you just so I can just piss being you off. raw and vulnerable, dude. <laughs> just being raw and vulnerable. I know that I'm a competitive person, yeah. but I I absolutely want success for you. This isn't about oh, keeping yeah, you no. down. This is just about. But it's good because I mean we yeah. know that in each other too that we're both a little competitive, and I'm not as competitive in this as you are. Yeah, I, I think I should at the beginning. My, it's not my goal to become, you know, the Rock or Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything like that. But I think you wouldn't mind being that. Well, the f- thing there is, right, I, I look up to the Rock. I really do. Watching yeah. that guy train is oh, it's amazing. Four hours a day or whatever. Yeah. You know, his diet looks amazing. He eats, like, I want to say, like, 8,000 calories a day. I want the Rock's diet and I want the Rock's physique. problem is anybody that believes the Rock's the way he is without any kind of uh, HGH or some other... Assistance. We'll call it gear. Yeah. Um, is on on la la land, right? They're they're on the moon. Um, same with wrestlers, and you know most of the people that even I mean, when you look at UFC fighters, who are some of the most in shape people on earth, they don't look like that, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't look like that because it's not achievable, clean. And most you know we just did the bodybuilding show here this last weekend. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of those people, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of those people are, are damaging their body with, with yeah. what they're putting in. So, yeah, I want to be in the best shape and I want to look great, but I'm also not willing to compromise. I've never done any kind of drugs in my life. I've got no interest in it. Yeah. I don't even like taking an aspirin if I have a headache. I'll drink a glass of water and try and lay down in a dark room or something. So it's it's interesting because, yeah, I've got goals. and Would I like to look like The Rock? Absolutely. Do I think it's achievable because I'm not willing to, take any HGH or steroids or anything like that I don't think so but okay okay I like it so <laughs> uh, I've got two more questions for you okay unless something comes up in the way you answer these and it makes me want to ask more questions <laughs> <laughs> I reserve the right to do that all right so we, we asked this kind of of uh, some of the other people that we've interviewed before and I like this question because it always gets an answer that I didn't really know because most people don't vocalize what's next for them and what they're working on behind the scenes sometimes a little bit. <laughs> and so obviously tread lightly with your job. <laughs> but it's like, what's next for Steven? What's next for Steven? I mean, there's so, long-term goals I know that you want to accomplish, which we can or cannot talk about on the podcast, be it family, work, dollars and cents. But just what's next for you? What do you want to share? Okay. So I will go on the record and say that and you've heard me say this, I have zero intentions of having any other job yeah. before the age of 50. I yep. plan on retiring at 50, wealthy, and... How old are you now? I am 37. Okay. So I have 13 more years of Heartland, and there might be some sideways steps or upward steps or, yeah. you know, different divisions, things like that. Life maybe, changes Maybe sometimes. I'm not doing exactly what I'm doing now, but yeah. I do plan on being part of Heartland. I believe in it. You become a dad, realize you got to pay for a kid's college, that, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, that's not a big deal. I could do that. That's, you know, that's could be taken care of now. Um, that being said, what's next for me is continued success, growth on a personal level, growth on a professional level, 
and even just in the last couple of years and probably in the last four months since doing this with you I think there's been professional and personal growth mm-hmm. um, you know going, through, going right. through this breakup recently is uh, really I mean I've been through breakups before I don't know that I've ever done it this maturely um, or amicably I don't know that I've my emotional intelligence, so EQ, yeah. my emotional quotient has ever been as high as it is now in terms of understanding other people's needs and wants and and, and how to con- not control or manipulate isn't the word, but truly be aware in situations, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of list, hear people out. I think I'm a little more rational and calm and I want to continue down that path. Um, but yeah, what's next for me? A lot more of the same. A lot more bravado and enjoying what you're doing. <laughs> enjoying what I'm yeah, doing. And hopefully, a family in the future. Yep, and lots some of, of that stuff. Lots yeah. of travel and seeing my, my nephews next, probably in Chicago because I haven't seen them since October. Um, but yeah, just Good. Okay. I, I think what's it, it's hard to say what's next, right? Yeah. I've got, well, and sometimes you don't really know until it presents itself, right? The pathway's there, but yeah. whether or not that pathway's still there in six months' time, we'll yeah, see. You're trying to lay the stones to create a pathway, but so sometimes I'm, all of a sudden a whole new road. I mentioned shows Matthew itself. McConaughey earlier, and I don't know if you've seen this speech, but he did an Oscar acceptance speech, and he talks about someone asking him who his hero was. Mm-hmm. And he says, My hero's me in five years. And they, they were confused by it, and he says, Because in five years, I know I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, I did good. And then they'll say, Well, who will your hero be then? And he'll say, me in five years. And his hero's always him in five years, right? Yeah. Because he, if you have that desire and that, that striving to, to be better and keep Make going. Make yourself and, proud almost. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, 21-year-old me to, to now, <laughs> just night and day. I, I genuinely wish you could meet me at 21. That EQ you were talking about might be a little different? Not just the EQ. I mean, everything from... There was always... I've always been a good person. I've always wanted to do things the right way and follow a path a certain way. But just the uh, the awareness of everything mm. now. And, they, you know, there's the Rod Stewart song, I wish I knew what I knew now when I was younger, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just I want I want to do that again. So, look, what, I'm a 37, so in another 16 years, I want to look back and go, 37-year-old me, God, he was a moron. <laughs> And feel better again, you know? <laughs> I'm my hero now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last question, and then we'll wrap it up. All right. My last question was, I got to look it up again because I can't remember what my last I question was. I just actually alluded to it. You did allude to it a little bit, actually. So we look back 20 years, and you're 17 years old. What would you now at 37 tell your 17-year-old self that you wish you knew, something you wish you knew then? Would you do anything differently? I mean, there's always the cliche answer of no, because it's maybe who I am today. But um, everything always works out the way it's supposed to. Another it might, cliche. It answer, might not be. Yeah. No, it might not be the way you like it. You might be really upset. You might be hurting. You might be, you know, confused as to why, how. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything will yeah. work out, you know. And and there's always. Again, it's hard to answer these kinds of questions without cliches, but... So they're cliches for a reason, too. Every day you wake up, you have the ability to start afresh. Yep. Or set yourself down a path 
to change in a different direction for the better, right? Um, you know, have I done stupid things and made stupid mistakes and, you know, woken up or even looked back and gone, yeah, I shouldn't have done that three months ago because now mm-hmm. I'm in this situation? Absolutely. But, unfortunately, life's set up to where the hard lessons are the, one that te- the ones that are worth learning. Yeah. Right? And I actually posted a quote this morning and I'm, I might butcher this, I'm sorry. But it's, um, give me a sec. I posted it on the social media. <laughs> We're both going to look it up on Instagram right and now. And it was, uh, give me a sec, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. Na, 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 the word happy would lose its na, meaning na. if it were not balanced by sadness. And it was Carl Jung, the psychologist, that said that. Yeah. So, you know, I think balance is important. I'd say that to 17-year-old me, balance, you know. Without the good times, there's no bad totally. times. And without... Um, without balance in your life in general there's no there's no joy mm-hmm. you know you can't you can't you, when we look at people that live the high life 24 7 yeah they're usually not very happy yep and when we look at people that are on the other end of that they're not happy either mm-hmm. the people that are usually the most centered have goods and bads and ebbs and flows and ups and downs and i love it that you're ending it with balance that's what we've talked about in the entire podcast too is right yeah. and this like wasn't scripted not dedicating this to to just being a hundred percent about everything falls to the wayside and you kill it in business or everything falls to the wayside family business and you kill yeah. it in health and and you're eating friggin grass and proteins and working out and becoming shredded right it's not yeah. about that it's about living a balanced life so that's a great and, way. and we uh we stuck to form here so similar to i put questions in front of ben five minutes before i questioned him i read the questions on his phone and was like oh crap i don't know how i'm going to answer these so everything here is completely ad-libbed yeah well some of we just come up with as we're going too it's just kind of free-flowing and if we did the same interview in a week's time some of the answers might be a little bit different right yep so but no i appreciate you asking me some some difficult questions and some of the concepts you focused on and thanks for letting me uh grill you a little bit and <laughs> pull some answers out of you. Yeah. You know what I've noticed? You've gotten a lot more open, I would say, since we've started this too. You've been forced to be a little more vulnerable, which I know is totally outside of your comfort zone because you don't like to be vulnerable. It is, yeah. Um, but I don't actually, not a whole lot of people love to be vulnerable. So. Nothing good ever comes from a place of comfort. Nope. So I, I think I've told you before, it's like I always, uh, I, I, at least I shouldn't say I always, I try to check myself. And if I feel comfortable in something, uh, then it's probably wrong. If I feel uncomfortable with it, it's probably the direction I need to go yeah. or at least tip my toe in to at least figure it out because, uh, you know, a lot of the time the uncomfortable is just because of a lack of knowledge, right? And and that's been a growth point for me. Like you're, oh, I can't tell you how right you are that just yeah. from, from way back, like, yeah, I'm talking to a girl to uh, let's not really talk about stuff to, I mean, I laid it bare the other day, yeah. you know, and... Which I don't think I've, four months ago you would have done that. No, I've opened up about other things, but I've also, and I want to, kind of like just today like i said our listening numbers are through the roof today which is awesome yeah and actually for the whole week they've been steady which is great i'm really really stoked thank you guys and where it's going (laughs) but i think that part of my growth was always that i had to learn to be vulnerable and address this superman complex that i have and and understand that hey it's okay to open up it's okay to share something it's not going to yeah. I mean that's humility right yeah yeah and I think this is probably I've always been somewhat humble and in, internally but mm-hmm. I need to project that more 
I, I do think there's some people that think I'm an arrogant prick and that's because of the way I haven't been humble and haven't opened up and yeah. um, I look at past relationships even and realise that my inability to be humble and open not necessarily I mean I've always been very forthright in my what I feel yeah. what I think but just not from a vulnerability standpoint so yeah it's, it's, part, it's part of my personal growth this has been good for me good. and if I we like achieve it. nothing else then yeah you've, that's you've a helped win. me with that that's a dude. big win yeah. So, well, yeah. all of these things. I mean, I think this podcast for both of us, I was telling someone today, it's like it's fulfilled a lot of parts of me that I never expected, right? To have it fulfilled by not just health, like, oh, yeah, you're in better shape. or But it's like being able to cast your vision into something and speak mm-hmm. your thing, you know, and it's like and go on a journey with somebody. It's like, huh, not something I really expected to enjoy as much as we, we really yeah. are doing well, and see the fruits of it as much as we are. It's actually, uh, this is where I was going with that and never even got there. The conversations I'm having about the podcast with people that are listening to it mm-hmm. are so refreshing. Yeah, good. Right? And even yesterday, I didn't know that my friend Emily had been listening to the podcast, but she told me she was when I was in Orlando. And then yesterday, my friend Brock came over to watch Game of Thrones. And I asked him, Hey, have you checked it out? And he's like, No, I do podcasts. He's like, Isn't and And she's like, It's actually really good. And I was like, What? <laughs> you listen? And she goes, no like she's like you'd think it would be weird because we know him she's like we hear what he has to say all the time but in all honesty like no it's really good and it's good on a personal awesome. level cool. it's good on a professional level and I was like wow so <laughs> taken aback but then I mean I, th- I think I mentioned as well I've had other people reach out and say hey can you help with this can you hey I heard you talking about this can you give me your in-? and and you're getting it as well I know yeah. that people yeah. are people are responding and yeah it's that's actually probably the best part of it the yeah. fact that people are enjoying it well and, and like I said those are kind of the things that reinvigorates you right and wants makes you want to continue on with it because there are weeks and stuff where it's like crap man we gotta go record and it's like I've got 10,000 other things that I should be doing but yeah. it's like when somebody says hey I'm listening to your podcast it's like oh cool or I had one guy tell me uh, last week he's like hey I, I listen to every one it's like huh I've never had a bad time recording with you Ben well, that's because we're we're, Genuinely, we're, we're, we're we're comedians. We're funny, good people. Um, yeah, <laughs> but there, there is an element of comedy to it. But one of the things, and again, sometimes my ego comes across wrong. But one of the things I'd said to Ben from day one was, "We can ever, we can't ever, sound rehearsed or robotic." Yeah, and a lot of the compliments we get are how natural we sound. Yeah, and we listen to other people's podcasts, people that have started from nothing, or people that are doing certain things, and you know they sound robotic and the feedback we get plus I get to listen to these two or three times before they're out because I'm editing them we don't sound robotic I think it does sound and I feel natural I think we're just natural. being genuine right and there is a genuine yeah and when you're genuine yeah. you don't have to rehearse and you know we don't need to be disingenuous because the second it feels disingenuous to me it's done yeah so yeah but well you guys thanks for tuning into today's podcast yeah until the next interview time with steven be good to yourselves and to each other and follow us yeah follow us as well but be good to yourselves more than you follow us <laughs> but be good to us by following us <laughs> on facebook and instagram right. o2e journey <laughs>
be the greatest, you can be the best You can be the King Kong banging on your chest You can beat the world, you can beat the war You can talk to God, go banging on his door You can throw your hands up, you can beat the clock You can move a mountain, you can break rocks You can be a master, don't wait for luck Dedicate yourself and you go find yourself You can run the mile You can walk straight through hell with a smile You could be the hero You can get the gold Breaking over records They thought never could be broke Yeah, do it for your people Do it for your pride And you're never gonna know If you never even try Do it for your country Do it for your name Cause there gonna be a day When you're standing in the hall of fame And the world's gonna know your name Be champions. Yeah.